morning, everyone in Alberta, Canada, and beyond. It is Wednesday, November 8th, 2023, and I'm Carrie Lambert, and I welcome you to an online webinar evening of solutions for a new Alberta brought to you by the Alberta Prosperity Project, also known as APP. APP's purpose is to educate, inspire, and unite all Albertans, businesses, and organizations to protect the prosperity, individual freedoms, rights, and sovereignty by empowering the Alberta government to restructure Alberta's relationship with Canada. APP is membership driven with a goal of a million plus members to help steer the political process. APP memberships are one year for $20, two years for $30, three years for 40, or you can make a donation at albertaprosperityproject.com. Tonight's episode is called Procurement in the Food Industry and the Use of Plastic in It with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, who is a professor in food distribution and policy at Dalhousie University in Halifax. We also have APP's interim CEO, Chris Scott, who will be joining us tonight as well. Since this is a live webinar, although the segment with Dr. Charlebois was previously recorded, we encourage you to ask questions and make comments throughout this presentation. Just put three question marks before your question, so it'll be flagged and we can quickly view the questions. I'd like to introduce Dr. Charlebois by telling you that his current research interest lies in the broad area of food distribution, safety and security, and he's published over 500 peer-reviewed and scientific publications. His research has been featured in newspapers, including The Economist, The New York Times, The Boston Globe, The Wall Street Journal, Foreign Affairs, The Globe and Mail, The National Post, and The Toronto Star. He has authored five books on global food systems. He conducts policy analysis, evaluation, and demonstration projects for government agencies. He has testified on several occasions before parliamentary committees on food policy related issues as an expert witness. And he has been asked to act as an advisor on food and agricultural policies in provinces and countries all over the world. And with that, we'll now bring on Dr. Charlebois and Chris. Hello, gentlemen. Good afternoon, Carrie. How's everybody doing? Very good. Very Excellent. Good. Here in Halifax, it's cloudy, but uh, but not too chilly. Just That's right. You are in Halifax. You are at uh, Dal Dalhousie University in Halifax, where you are. What is your your actual title? Is director of food? Director of food. Well, so I run a lab here. It's called the AgriFood Analytics Lab. Uh, I obviously I'm a professor, but uh, I run this uh, really wonderful lab. It's in partnership with three faculties, management, agriculture, and computer science. And our job, what we do is uh, our data analytics. So we forecast, we use AI to forecast food prices mainly and, and trends in general. So uh, we've been doing that for well over five years now. And it's been, uh, it's been interesting. Yeah, needless to say. So the topic today, of course, is about uh, procurement of food and plastic in it. Are we eating plastic? Like, I hope you're not eating plastic. I hope so. Uh, I'm not either. Certainly yeah. not something we would advise uh, people to do. But there is a lot of plastics uh, in our system. Obviously, anybody who's gone to a grocery store will see that we're we're addicted to plastics. Uh, even before COVID, we saw a lot of plastics. Uh, but they, there was this movement towards reducing plastics, uh, and people were concerned about plastic bags and utensils and uh, the, the artifacts. I mean, the yeah. low-hanging fruits. And, and gov we saw governments, uh, including obviously the federal government, looking into 
those particular issues related to plastics, uh, not packaging per se, but you know, the bags and the things that we actually yeah. use on a regular basis. And so That's right. there's yeah. been some regulations, some changes as a result. And, uh, but with COVID, all of a sudden we got back into plastics. We wanted more plastics in our life. We wanted to protect ourselves as much as yeah. possible. Yeah. And uh, so uh, the environment, if you will, took a backseat to, uh, to what was going on with, with COVID for a while. But uh, I think that ended maybe about a year and a half ago. Uh, we, what we noticed is that all of a sudden environmental stewardship became uh, an issue again. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, then, and then, of course, bans started to appear all over the place uh, in different provinces at the federal level. And now, and now, uh, ECCC, Environment and Climate Change Canada, has decided to uh, implement a P2 policy. And the P2 policy, this is the, the one thing we were hearing a lot. It's asking grocers to voluntarily ask vendors to reduce the amount of plastics used in packaging, in food okay. packaging. And that's, that's the big problem right there, because... Uh, can actually you may want to uh, get rid of plastics but with what do you place it with and yes. and that alternative will it be cheaper and will it be will it allow uh, food to be as safe as before i mean there are reasons why we're addicted to plastics i mean plastics yeah. are plastics work yes uh, yeah yeah you know they they work uh, they're uh, they actually can keep food fresh for very long periods of time. You can actually travel with plastic. Uh, you can actually have produce, particularly uh, travel thousands and thousands of kilometers without compromising the quality of these products. Yeah. Uh, once in the store, of course, it protects uh, the product from, yeah. from viruses and, and people because there's been some incidences around the world where people were actually putting you know, uh, needles and, and strawberries and things like that, unfortunately. Really? And so the, the, the shelf clams, I mean, the, those are there for a reason. So how, yeah. how do you replace that? And I, I don't think it's people object to replacing plastics, but the, the road to change is mm -hmm. not as simple as some people may, uh, may suggest. So they're, you know, just talking about plastics. So immediately people think that plastics are bad and, uh, you know, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be having plastics either in the food, around the food, but they're a necessity in order to protect it coming on trucks, getting into the grocery store. And like you said, so that, you know, people are touching or whatever, maybe picking up a bag of lettuce and uh, you're, they're not contaminating it until you get home. Yeah, no, exactly. And so that's why I think, uh, and we've had our fair share of food safety issues, but the problem is that uh, if you don't have any plastics anymore, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. uh, and let's be honest here. Nobody wants to buy ugly produce. That's uh, right. There's a reason why we use uh, lining on cucumbers, for example, is to keep the moisture in as much as possible. So that product is remains sellable. And that's so, right. And last longer too. And yes. last longer as well. So, so all of these things we need to be, we need to think about, I think, but as a lab at Dow, we actually uh, met with uh, Environment Climate Change Canada twice this summer to kind of talk to them about the realities of 
you know, dealing with supply chains, grocers, uh, importers, farmers from abroad. And I'm thinking mainly with uh, about Arizona and California. Uh, those are the two gardens that we use a yes. lot as Canadians. And uh, I'll be honest with you. I mean, our conversation with ECCC uh, were very confrontational, I mm -hmm. would say, because we were trying to tell them, listen, uh, it's important that you realize you need to talk to farmers in California, you need to talk to farmers in Arizona, because tomorrow morning, if we implement changes to packaging uh, regulations without talking to them, guess what's going to happen? They're not going to deal with Canada. I mean, it's just if Canada becomes too expensive because of the waste generated yeah. Uh, seeing produce traveling thousands, thousands of kilometers. By the time you get to destination, if you lose half your cargo, yeah. you're gonna get send your cargo to Canada. You're gonna send them elsewhere. You're gonna send your cargo elsewhere. Yeah. And so, those are the kinds of things. Those are the kinds of concerns that we actually raise with uh, with the group. But uh, they uh, they they wanted none of it and uh it really got frustrating after a while so we met twice and and then that's about it and uh mm -hmm. so i don't know exactly what's going to happen because we're into november now and we were supposed yeah. to actually see uh we were supposed to actually see something and we haven't seen anything and so i think there's a lot of pushback from industry at this point and so and so, and so there should be but one thing to, to put this all in perspective is that uh um, the Environment and, and Climate Change Ministry has said, they've used the, the, the phrase at all costs, climate and environment at all costs. And it's, yeah. it sounds like, you know, we know that the costs are very high, um, but this is something that people don't think about. The cost of pursuing a uh, ideological ban on plastics could be food insecurity. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it raises some major food security concerns. And uh, and right now, I mean, what what is Parliament talking about, like almost daily these days is the cost of living. And yeah. uh, and there are two necessities of life. And and right now in the last I would say in the last two, three weeks, we've all all we've seen from Ottawa are issues related to two things, shelter and mm -hmm. food. Yeah, basically right. and so we're yeah. heavily involved in food and we've been advising minister champagne uh on on this issue on shelter there's this whole debate about the carbon tax and eating oil i mean that's really the the issue here a lot of people yeah. are going to be struggling with shelter but when it comes when it comes to food i mean the reality uh carrie and chris is that right now canadians are spending less on food compared to last year despite inflation so the average canadian right now spends about 255 bucks a month on yeah. food yeah last year was 265. wow so so think of think about that for a second what it actually means it means that people are i don't know eating less they're going to yeah. different stores to buy food yeah. uh they're they're wasting less hopefully maybe but yeah. you can see that food inflation has has violently infect, affected people's lives. Do you want to add an extra layer of pressure by, you know, forcing grocers to actually use different packaging? Go yeah. right ahead. What kind of packaging are the, the, the I'm assuming the feds are, are suggesting? Is, is it just like paper or like, I'm not even sure what, what would they use as a substitute for plastic? 
do we just hold things in our hands, like get paid in meatballs and just hold them with no bowl? Yeah, I got big hands. Oh, you know, <laughs> big hands. Like, I hold maybe four or five meatballs, like wow, decent sized meatball. Um, it's funny. I got to tell you, yesterday I was at uh, an event at Dal. Uh, it was about the environment and food. And so they had these plastic containers for our lunch. Yeah. They, they were nice, but oh yes, yeah. But uh, of course, they ordered too many. There were about twenty meals left in these plastics, and they couldn't get rid of. Uh, unless you ate the food, you basically were wasting all the food. Yes. And so yeah. they were asking people to just grab the food or eat on site until uh, 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 before they they left. So. Sometimes you kind of go, you see uh, certain measures and you scratch your head. But I, again, I actually do think that we have a plastic problem. I, mm -hmm. I do believe that we need to deal with this issue. Yeah. Uh, but we also need to deal with this issue properly, giving some time to industry to look at alternatives, actual alternatives that are actually going to work. Now, there are alternatives out there, you know, organic, compostable yep. alternatives. But these alternatives are all all more expensive than the current solution and i and i can definitely see that like you know we we've talked about packaging um uh, you know one of my one of my side gigs is i'm i'm an actor so being on set they always give you food. you're an actor yeah <laughs> they give you they give you food in uh in in uh these these plastic containers and uh plastic forks actually they're now bamboo forks and bamboo knives which of course don't even get into that, uh, you know, yeah. trying to eat something that remember, remember having those little ice cream containers made out of plastic with the wooden spoon. Everything oh, yeah. now tastes like that wooden spoon. And it's just, it's just, it's horrible <laughs> eating salad with, uh, with I can a deal with bamboo and utensils. I can't yeah. deal with, with, uh, paper yeah. straws. Yeah. I just yeah. can't. Well, I'm and sorry. that's, that's another thing too, is that, you know, I actually go out of my way to look for a place that has proper straws. Now, whether or not they're plastic or maybe they're plastic coated, um but to 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 have a, a like a, a freezy drink with right. a, a paper straw by the time you finish it and that paper straw is now just a big pile of mush and you're trying to use it <laughs> again the, these were th these were rules that were implemented that i don't think they really truly had time to think about and do the testing on uh, the, their implementation. So here's here's the, the question. Are the feds really thinking about having a ban on plastics by a certain year? And if it is by a certain year or a certain time, does that give us enough time to come up with a proper other set of tools in order to, to keep our food fresh and, and lasting? I honestly, I mean, it's, it's, an, it's an urban centric government that yeah. only thinks about urban values essentially and and yeah. ur urban values don't necessarily embrace the complexities of supply of food supply chains yeah which starts with the farmer or farming uh yeah. regardless where it is either domestic or international i mean once you that's my area of expertise food distribution and yeah. what i've learned over the last 25 years is that you gotta understand the supply chain uh, before you do anything yeah. uh and Change is always good, and uh, I mean, I, we can actually go through a lot of changes that I think needs to happen in order to uh, help farmers, processors, distributors, grocers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, ideology will will forfeit any uh, any views, supply chain views, and understand the intricacies of supply chains and or supply chain economics in general. Yeah. 
it's yeah. about it's about making changes and if europe can do it we can do it and yeah. this is the argument i've heard a lot in ottawa and even from reporters by the way mm -hmm. well plastics i mean europe is doing it what's the problem are we are we different yeah. well actually we are uh, because we are 40 million a very very big country some provinces don't produce as much food as others mm -hmm. starting with ours here in nova scotia i mean nova scotia cannot feed itself mm -hmm. alberta can feed itself what 50 times or something and so i'm not so, sure the stat but i know it is quite a bit like we we would be totally fine if we were our own yeah but you, know, uh, you can't niche, eat, you yeah. won't be able to have lemons or chocolate or coffee that's right the beauty of our global economy that's we right. actually do grow and produce what we're good at yeah. we sell it to the world make money create wealth and with that wealth we buy things we want like yeah. lemons and coffee and cocoa that's and, right yeah. And so that's how it works. But a lot of going back to ECCC, even some colleagues on campus, I have to tell you, I'm very concerned because all of a sudden, you know, shipping lobsters on the plane in China every day and support uh, remote uh, localities, remote villages, uh, yeah. they only have that, uh, yeah. as a lifestyle and they make a decent living, but they need to sell lobster. It's the only thing they have left. And if you are to demolish the lobster industry, for example, you wouldn't have anybody in rural Nova Scotia or rural New Brunswick. That's it. You're yeah. done. Yeah. And yeah. so there's none of that thinking going on right now. None of it. It's just about, well, filling a 747, uh with lobsters fresh lobsters and shipping all these lobsters to china every day is unsustainable we shouldn't be doing it without thinking that 60 percent of their salaries is comes from trades that's what really that's right. concerns me they don't look at the whole picture they're just looking at ideology and ideology tends to impoverish nations but you know what happens is reality, no matter how ideologically driven you are, reality will eventually slap you in the face. So there, there's two there's two things here. My first point, you kind of touched on it, is in the uh, when you're looking at what the global initiatives are for dealing with, uh, well, it, it's in the name of climate and environment, but eating eating things that aren't from your area is unsustainable. So maybe that really isn't a concern for for those who have these uh, ideological driven policies, right? So there's a remote village that uh, uh, on the east coast of Canada that sustains itself by far by, by by farming lobster, fishing lobster. Well, that doesn't matter because again, uh, it's at all costs. And if the costs are those remote villages, well, that's just progress, right? And I, I really I really think that's the way uh, you know that's the way they're viewing this. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, it's very, it's, it's very linear. And uh, so I, I think it's important to have debates on, on issues, but right now it's uh, it's the either or sort of yeah. debate. And you see it on social media, you see it in politics. Um, the cancel culture is very predominant. If you're not for us, you're against us, therefore you don't exist. Uh, there's there's a lot of that going on, and I, I'm hoping one day that things will get back to where they were a little bit, so we can actually have a dialogue. Like I said, I think we have a problem with plastics. I, I think we need to do something, but uh, to do something doesn't mean that we need to compromise our way of life in total. Mm -hmm. That's the mm -hmm. thing. 
And I mean, the, with the carbon tax, I was actually talking to my food policy students. I teach a graduate course uh, on food policy every Monday nights. And uh, we had the debate on, 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 on carbon taxes and, um, and, and food affordability. And like I've, I've told the class, listen, I have nothing against the policy itself. It's, it's how it discriminates against our food supply chain. Uh, mm -hmm. I actually don't think it is wise for any nation to tax its food supply chain yeah. uh, based on a carbon uh, reduction policy. It's just not the right thing to do. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, if you drive a Hummer, I don't have a problem if you pay taxes on that, to be yeah. honest. This is my own personal opinion. Yeah. But if you actually are taxing farmers, if you're taxing food manufacturers, transportation companies, transporting food, yeah, exactly. I have a problem with that. Yeah. So uh, you, you mentioned that you think we, it's your opinion that we have a problem with plastic. So can we just back up a little bit and just, just tell me what is the issue with plastics? Like what's the basis of this and has it been debated? Well, it's just, well, first of all, uh, there's a lot of it and it takes a lot of time to break down. So the argument is to actually reduce the amount of plastic so we can actually augment the amount of garbage, I guess, that is organic or can mm -hmm. be, and be broken down into anywhere between 14 to 21 weeks, basically. That's mm -hmm. the idea, is to reduce um, waste that goes to landfill, essentially. Okay. That's the so whole idea, would... and there's a lot of it going on. I mean, if you actually look at some of the reports, uh, the main culprits are food companies. Uh, if you actually go on, like, we go on beaches all the time. We're, we're half an hour from a beach all the time. Yeah. In yeah. So we go for walks. What do we see on beaches? Empty water bottles, McDonald packages, Tim Hortons cups, and, and things like that. So it got to people. I mean, all of a sudden, people were saying, like, for many years, it was all about, well, it's probably because of the wind, because oh, some people are reckless, whatever. But now people are looking at the brand, and they say, well, that brand, that company is responsible for that cup sitting here on the beach. That really, that's that's the one thing that changed now the last five to 10 years, that corporate responsibility. And so that's why companies are looking into reducing uh, or changing their packaging strategy because they're, they're, they're looked, they're, they're looked upon as liable. Mm -hmm. And, and I kind of agree with that, but again, it can't be done while compromising food affordability that's the, that's the one place i don't want to go if, if you actually make food more expensive to people i have a problem with that i think we need to be careful here well i i've also heard that you know the the way the way that we package things you brought up water bottles right so yeah people will end up disposing of their water bottles so why don't we change to glass Right. Well, then the problem is, is then we've got this extra weight and and something that can that can be shattered or broken. Um, but transportation costs that lead with with things that are heavy, bulkier, uh, it, you know, it takes up more room in order to actually store that same amount of, uh, of liquid. So yeah. I, I guess the big question again is what would be the alternatives as opposed to plastic? Well, Do we have Oh, there, there are tons. I mean, there's, yeah. uh, there's a lot of organic. Uh, I mean, I mean, there are tons. Seriously, there's been a lot okay. of research. Okay. Yeah. The problem is that there's no infrastructure to make a lot of. You need a market. 
yeah. <laughs> you need a market. I I think that's the goal for for people driven by ideology. They think, well, the market will be created by us pulling. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're going to create demand, so we increase capacity for these products, and these products will become cheaper. Okay, yeah. that's I think that's kind of where they're they're going with this. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem with that is that the road to get there may take a while. And as we know, with supply chain economics, especially when it comes to food, when prices go up for a while, they rarely go down. Yeah, that's true. Let's be honest here. So yeah. the governor of, of the Bank of Canada the other day said, well, the carbon tax is responsible for 0.6 percentage point of inflation. Okay? Mm -hmm. If he, he said, he said, and if you actually eliminate the carbon tax tomorrow, the inflation rate would drop by 0.6% overnight for a year. Yeah. I have to tell you, gentlemen, I have a hard time believing that. I agree. Why? Because yeah. companies will take the will take the space. They'll take the space and they'll charge more. And we saw that with uh, with uh, uh, Harper's government when it decided to actually reduce the GST from seven to 5%. Mm -hmm. We didn't see a reduction in the inflation rate at all. In fact, actually the inflation rate went up. So wow. it's a, I, I have a feeling that there's this underappreciation for, for supply chain economics and how it impacts inflation. And mm -hmm. so that's why as soon as you increase costs, you're increasing the cost of living to people forever. Yeah, most likely. Well, so Chris, being in the restaurant business, and of course, I was briefly in the restaurant business before it was shut down with uh, with COVID. And Chris, are you in your own restaurant right now? He's in his restaurant right I now. I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. So Excellent. When we used to buy uh, jugs of uh, of uh, French fry oil, lack of a better word, uh, I believe our jugs were like sixteen or eighteen bucks at the time, and that was only in you know early two thousand twenty. How much is a jug for you now, Chris? Well, at one point, they peaked at $88 for a 16-liter jib of canola oil. So uh, and I, I, was, I was paying 19 yeah. and that was actually what triggered me to choose a healthier option and go back to animal fat, which I still use, which, by the way, has less packaging. Yeah. That's so right, speaking exactly. of packaging, I do have a question for you. Uh, I've seen, a, in the food industry, I've seen a lot of claims to have uh, to, to uh, of biodegradable plastics. Why don't we just uh, put our brilliant minds to work across this country and adjust the the feedstocks that we have right now and how we use it and make products that break down on their own in a reasonable amount of time? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, it's a, again, I've seen some packages. You go to fairs, you go to shows and, and you'll see those packages. Uh, there's packages like that being introduced all the time. It's it's the economies of scale. That's really mm -hmm. the challenge. If you have like a Nestle or a Mondelez yeah. or uh, a PepsiCo coming in and say, can you make me, you know, 3 million of this, 4 million of that? There's just no capacity. You have to build it up. So, yeah. uh, so it, and that, that requires time. So in, in my opinion, what the, 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 the transition has to be over several years yeah, and uh, probably maybe a decade or perhaps two. And we're starting to see those changes. 
but to implement to force changes to me is is a big mistake and uh so pardon me i didn't mean to interrupt oh, it's, uh, it, it's getting quite noisy so i was trying to get it while i can well, noise is uh, good for your business so i don't mind that, that's true yes that's true so what is the consequence of not changing anything that we're doing now in your opinion like if we just continue to use plastics that we're using right now and we continue to manage them as we have with you know moderate mostly ineffective recycling but landfilling uh what's the consequence there we've been doing it for 70 years yeah we are and uh what i i've lived in the prairies i lived in uh, ontario i've i'm from quebec originally and i live in the atlantic now the one thing i've learned being in atlantic is like i said we're close to the ocean and uh so we talk a lot about the ocean we go out to the ocean and i gotta tell you like I see a lot of stuff, like yeah. a lot of floating stuff. And it's really, and I with my kids and I ask, you know, the kids are making comments about why, why is there so much bottles and bags and uh, at the, at the, at the ocean. And, and frankly, I'm a bit concerned by that. I, I think as Canadians, we have the luxury to live in the best country in the world, but we also have the luxury of space. We see mm -hmm. there's lots of space. And with space, you don't see the problems as much as Europeans, for example. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think that's kind of, it kind of skews our, our views in terms of problems related to garbage and waste in particular. Mm -hmm. I lived in Europe for two years with my family. And I got to tell you, I mean, you, you think about, we, we had no car. We went to the grocery store, pick up our stuff and you, Every time you go to a grocery store, you think of the weight of everything mm -hmm. you buy because you don't have a car, you have to carry everything. Yep. And so, and on our fridge was the size of a microwave. Huh. So the notion of space, we're so spoiled. We, you know that we've been dumping our plastics into Asia for many, many years. And now, as soon as they said, no, that's enough. We don't want your garbage anymore, Canada. That's when we were forced to find solutions. So. I think we need to move on this, but we also need to be careful with uh, with what we wish for because we could actually hurt a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I, I completely agree, and I, I know what you're talking about because I'm actually from the West Coast. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I remember even as a kid being fishing and seeing stuff, especially marinas. I mean, they're filthy. You see stuff floating all over the place. Oh, yeah. And it creates a very powerful emotional response because we're, we're, we exist in nature and we're connected to nature whether we know it or not. So when we see nature being... Uh, harmed or uh, being not taken care of, it affects us on an emotional level. But yeah. why would it be, why wouldn't we then have regional, maybe even provincial plans to deal with this issue? In Alberta, uh, we have fantastic management of our waste here. Like we, we actually take waste from other parts of the country and process it and landfill it here. Uh, we don't send it to the ocean. We don't we don't ship it to Asia. Mm -hmm. So if that's that is the case and we're also an agricultural community here. So why would these uh, federal initiatives be reaching into areas that aren't affected like Alberta? And how, how could that benefit uh, anybody? Well, I mean, it's uh, in fairness, it's more about uh, political ideology. Uh, of course, the current regime really uh believes in a centrist uh model 
-hmm. I think we all know this. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. and that's why there's so much tension and, and there's so much division around the country because it's all about a strong Ottawa supporting provinces. Whereas yeah. typically under say a conservative government, you would probably see more provinces being empowered by policy uh, and not the other way around. And so I, I think you raise a really good point, Chris. I think that all provinces have different economic, social economic realities mm -hmm. and, and provinces are strong enough to make their own decisions in terms of how we manage waste or how they should be managing waste. I mm -hmm. totally agree. I think the feds, Ottawa should empower research, uh, should enable conditions to allow provinces to innovate and do different things and novel things. But right now, I think we all agree here, it's not what we're seeing. We're seeing a big brother-esque government looking down and say, you will do this, you will do that. And that's why there's so much division, unfortunately. And with division, you don't solve any problems. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. So people are arguing, they're confronting, they're pushing back. Yeah. All of that energy is not spent on innovating, which is unfortunate. Yeah. That's a, that was a fantastic response to that. So that literally is why the Alberta Prosperity Project exists, because we want Alberta to be sovereign in these areas. We, we take very good care of our backyard. Uh, we watch our neighbors to the east and west do the same. And it's very frustrating to watch these policies come down from a, a federal government who really, as you've correctly identified, wants to become um, a national government, not just a, mm -hmm. you know, not just, not just a federal government. So it's the, uh, I know best, I know best yes. mentality. And it's hard to argue with that. Yeah. It is. And, and, and between and, you and I, Chris, I see a lot of that on campuses right now. Yeah, like I yesterday, I saw it right in front of my eyes. I know best. How dare you tell me that we should eat avocados in Canada? Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah, that's right. You know, we're talking about our, our backyard here, but we're, shipping avocados that have a huge impact on not only the environment, but the economy and yeah. uh, the economies of the places where they come from. But anyway, um, what, what you what you just mentioned, um, it takes it goes back to the ideas that the country was supposed to be confederated, confederated on, which is the provinces are supposed to manage their backyard. We don't have right a confederation now. in Canada. It's an well, illusion. It, well, it is. Our, our federal government has uh, unless you live in Quebec, taken taken the yeah exactly. They've taken they've taken. I'm a Quebecer. It's not the way it's supposed it. to. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, it's it's Canada right now is. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't say it is in crisis or is a mess, but it's it's certainly. It has a. It needs to figure out things. Uh, yeah. I, I I believe, and um, you know, back in 2015, a lot of people felt that uh, there was a change with the change of regime. It was going to be for the best, but I felt that we were electing a, a a juvenile cabinet led by a juvenile prime minister. There, I said you it. You were right. Uh, yeah. And uh, eight years later, that's kind of what we got. I mean, yeah. it's it. And when I say about a juvenile regime, it's all about it's about a narrow way of seeing things, yeah. and uh, and that's really dangerous. Yeah, I agree. So, what are some solutions here? What what can we do as Albertans, as people from Nova Scotia, and as Canadians to deal with this impending problem? And not only just re reducing plastics, but well, since, uh, since you're both from Alberta, impact. I actually think that Alberta's, uh, 
I mean, I was I was in Alberta last week, and uh, I was telling Kara it felt good because it felt normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I want Alberta to continue to voice its concerns about all sorts of things going on in Canada. Uh, I think Alberta is a leader. I think Alberta is making Canada stronger. Uh, I think Canada needs a a a very noisy Alberta, whether it's the CPP or anything else. I, yeah. I, I and it doesn't it doesn't matter what happens to uh, to Alberta and CPP. It's the noise that matters. It's yeah. it's how when Alberta voices its concerns about anything, it's yeah. for the betterment of our entire country. You're right. And Nova Scotia in the Atlantic, we're poor. Okay, we can't afford. To voice anything because it's going to cost us some attention. I mean, a week ago, a cabinet minister in the Trudeau government mentioned, "You want a voice at the table, you need to elect liberals." That yes, is that's disgusting. Right. That's, yeah, that goes I, against democracy, our I parliamentary Richmond-sister system. Yeah. And to me, it was really indicative of how um, no trouble. The current government is and so we need we all all canadians need a strong and very noisy alberta right now wise words absolutely and i know and we're uh, happy to oblige Dr. <laughs> i know you have to leave right away we're going to stick on and we're going to take some questions from uh from the people watching this webinar um you know we'll definitely have you back uh, i said that right at the beginning too is that uh we could talk pretty much about anything I, university we could talk about food and, and you know and we really didn't even get into the whole distribution thing we were just talk, kind of talking about oh yeah we can talk about a whole lot of yes. things uh, and i'm uh, in Bur- alberta uh two uh two more times this month so yeah yeah, yeah. we're so, probably gonna meet at some point well it would be great if we could uh do that so uh yeah we'll i know a great burger place <laughs> right right in the middle of nowhere but man they make the best <laughs> fries the best burgers for sure gotta go i gotta right. go there thank you very much and uh, right. we'll talk to you again. Thank you so yes, much. Yes, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Look at that. There's a billion of us on here. How did that happen? Wow. I'm not sure, <laughs> but it's really strange. So thank you so much for, for sticking around and uh, and watching that. That, of course, was the uh, the recorded part. And, uh, and now we're doing the live. There was tons of questions, tons of engagement. Uh, I, I, again, I really wanted to say thank you again to Dr. Sylvain Charlebois for, for taking time out of his extremely busy day, excuse me, extremely busy day. He was actually going to try and come on live with us on uh, tonight, Wednesday. His schedule didn't work out that way. We ended up kind of bending over backwards doing the recording and, and even before we went live on the air, it was uh, the, the, the conversation I was having with him was, wow, we could talk about a whole bunch of things. And you know what? The comments in the, um, in, 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 the in the comments and the questions actually brought up everything we talked about. So the topic at the beginning was about packaging. And it was about uh, distribution and what, uh, what the... Uh, uh, Environment, uh, Climate Change Canada was was basically trying to get their dirty little hands in and telling us, you know, you can't. There are certain rules that we're going to do in terms of packaging, but right away we talked about that packaging, and then sure enough, people were were commenting. 
what I would call consumer or personal packaging, you know, doing the uh, Ziploc containers, plastic wrap, uh, doing brown bag from, or brown uh, wax paper from a, um, uh, a butcher. So there was that portion. And then again, the next portion that easily came up was recycling, right? And there's so many things that we could be dealing with. And, uh, and, and it, it, it was obviously not long enough to have him on, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely have him back. And, and uh, if, if you haven't gone to, uh, to check him out on Twitter or um, I'm just going to call that back up here. There you go. That's his, uh, that's his Twitter. And actually I'm just going to call up, I've got a bunch of different uh, windows open here specifically to answer some of the questions that, uh, that did come up. So he is the food food professor, not food processor, food professor. And he actually said he just came up with that name and it was available and it kind of made sense because then you don't actually have to know how to spell Charlevoix unless you're French. Uh, you probably may, may not get that correct. So, um, but what, what, a, what a great conversation to, to have uh, with that. You know what my favorite part was? Uh, what's that? Oh, near the end when he's actually talking about Alberta. That the was part where he says we need, yeah. the country needs Alberta yeah. to be noisy yeah. about these things because Alberta really is one of the only places that can do it. Yeah. And he hit the nail right on the head there. Yeah. You recall, Kerry, when I, uh, I, I tried to back the conversation up a bit, I said, let's go, let's go back a little further. Yeah. And talk about what is this problem that we are dealing with or that the federal government wants to deal with? And is it really a problem? Because where have we heard this before? Mm -hmm. Oh, we have this big problem. It's for your own good. We need to do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We hear it all the time. And it's like the conversation just gets steamrolled past the debating of the problem, past the science of the problem and yeah. onto a solution. Yeah. And then they attach at all costs to it. It's, it's, it's insanity. Yeah. Yeah. I did want to answer uh, quite a few of these, these questions. We're going to, we're probably going to go back and forth on a couple of topics here, but um, this is actually something that him and I, uh, that Dr. Charlebois and I talked about before we went on the air. Can the doctor discuss using tinfoil for cooking or food storage and is possible we are consuming some, you know what, according to, uh, uh, according to the good doctor, he said, uh, tin foil and aluminum foil are different. Uh, if we're using aluminum foil, which is pretty much what we're using right now, uh, the, the amount of, uh, of, uh, aluminum, uh, getting into your diet is almost insignificant. So you're probably safe there. However, if you do feel that there is an issue, then just try and cut out of your diet. And again, there's, the, there's, there's, yeah, there's the, the, the stuff that is, um, uh, packaging, and, uh, and when it gets delivered to your grocery store and when you go and pick it up and then there's the consumer, uh, uh consumer, uh, way of, of dealing with, uh, packaging. So once you get it home and you decide what to do with it, again, the recommendation is actually not to store it in an aluminum, uh, casing. So whether or not you put aluminum foil, I know my, my mom used to do this all the time. She'd take some meat or something and then put aluminum foil over top of a, a bowl. That is not good. It's just not enough of a, a, a seal around there. And you're just kind of wasting that. So if you're going to do anything, then, then you can use your uh, plastic uh, saran wrap, there's other things out there that uh, I've, I've called up on uh, the website. Uh, let me just uh, let me just change. I have to actually change. Uh, 
So I like the one about the comments about recycling, Carrie. Yeah, yeah. So again, something that I found out yeah. is that our tax dollars support a lot of different recycling initiatives and municipalities actually pass bylaws saying that you have to recycle. So Carrie, yeah. in yeah. Calgary, uh, I'm assuming that you have to recycle in your area by, by order of council, right? That's right, yeah. And if you don't, I'm assuming there's fines or something, or you just have to pay regardless, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's the deal. Anytime a gov the government implements these things and we don't pay attention, it goes bad. Do you know what percentage of products actually get recycled? Actually get recycled? Oh, well, like, like the product well, that you said, how much gets recycled? I, I was just going to say, because, of course, I recycle everything. Everything goes into my, my blue bin. Right. I'm, Most, I'm talking after you. Once it goes through the processing that, plant, exactly. that receives tax yeah. subsidies yeah. and government grants to recycle, probably it's less than 20%. Yeah. That and there's multi-million, like yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars facilities yeah. um, paid for with our tax dollars in part, yeah. turned into big business, making a lot of people wealthy, funneling money into the municipality. And guess what? It doesn't do a damn thing because most of the stuff ends up in the landfill anyway. But people get rich because it's for our own good. Yeah. And you is know, there a government... Is there a government body that actually looks after that provincially or is it municipality? Do you know? I think they were recycled. The people are recycled? They're recycled, <laughs> like politicians. Recycled. <laughs> I, I, I actually don't know. I'm a, yeah, I, 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 know I guess we could look into what ministry is responsible for recycling or if it's yeah. municipal or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things where they're, yeah, they're accountable to us because obviously yeah. they're elected and they make laws to our benefit or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. we don't pay attention to it. Yeah, yeah. Until now. That's right. Um, I just want to go back and uh, quickly talk about the uh, four alternatives to plastic food containers. Again, these would be what you could use at home. This is all stuff I think everybody knows. Glass, you can use stainless steel uh, cloth and cardboard. Uh, although, I'm not, what would you do? Just uh, store apples in boxes. Um uh eco-friendly alternatives to plastic packaging what i was actually looking for is i've been to many trade shows and they've uh, they've actually got this almost like plastic gelatin type of uh organic substance again that's what you could use at home um um yeah that's that's pretty much all i got on that <laughs> You know, Carrie, this is so I, I really liked uh, Dr. Charlebois' presentation. Yeah. Um, I like that he's sounding the alarm about this terrible policy. Yeah. But again, a lot of these things I do not agree with. Yeah. Uh, for instance, like some of those alternatives, sure, they're great if they make sense and they actually accomplish the goal that we're trying to achieve. Yeah. You know what Walmart did? Do you know how many um, plastic bags? Walmart sent to the landfill when they rolled out their no more plastic bags initiative. And you have, now you have to pay for bags made of what plastic fibers, millions yeah. of pounds, probably because millions. they were told they couldn't use them past a date and they had to basically get rid of them again. No, policy, they right? were subsidized no? to replace their plastic bags with reusable. And now instead of going to Walmart and getting a bag from them, that costs a penny and a half yeah. now, you have to spend a dollar or two dollars or three or four dollars on a bag 
times, however many times, every time you go there, because you're like me and you forget the bags in your car. And then they end up in the landfill anyway. Yeah. Right. Like these, these policies and initiatives, they don't even make sense. Yeah. Like they're saying we want to reduce uh, plastics and packaging. I'm sorry, but you didn't do that. You didn't accomplish that goal because the products that you're putting out are just as intrusive as the products you're replacing. Yeah. And they don't work as good. And again, this 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 conversation was definitely off topic of what we were trying to initially start with and talk about what was happening within environment and climate change Canada and uh, and putting the policies through in terms of uh, plastic. But it's just a natural progression to talk about you know what can we do as consumers and and what 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 is available to us in order to do this and then recycle. So maybe uh, maybe we'll not only have the Dr. Charlebois back to talk about uh, more about the distribution, where we get our food from, how long it lasts, all that. That was the that was the kind of questions that I had already written down to ask him, and I've since sent him an email to see if he can answer some of those questions back, but also to talk about uh, if if we can find someone maybe to talk about exactly how to be best stewards for our land. And uh, and do some proper recycling and what actually happens when when stuff gets uh, uh, goes in our blue bins. What actually happens? Speaking of which, I do have a tab for that. I'm just the master of tabs. While I was sitting watching uh, watching the watching the pre-recorded portion, of course, I was in the back trying to trying to call up some stuff. So yeah, there are collection services, the Recycling Council of Alberta. This just happens to be glass. Uh, but there are many, many different categories, metal, uh, paper. Um, I, I actually saw one of, one of our friends, Brent is on here and he does, um, uh, he does moving and, uh, and, and I, he's always picking up some stuff and, uh, and I'm pretty sure he probably has some interesting stories about stuff that he's picked up and how he deals with the, the recycling as well too. So there's lots of things that we can, we can be doing. But everything we do. Yeah, we should make sure that it's effective yeah. and sustainable. Yeah. Oh, for the sure. Whole idea. Um, yeah. We have a plastics problem, so Ford and and GM and uh, Mopar, yeah. they're 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 not using petrochemical based seat cushions anymore. That's well, right. Now they want to save the planet, so now they're using soy based seats and soy based tires. Yeah. Well, millions of people starve on this planet every year. And now we're using farmland to grow car seats so that you can drive your your Lincoln or your Escalade and feel virtuous because you're sitting on vegetables. Meanwhile, right. there's people starving yeah. um, and that farmland could have been used for that. Right. So that's, right. that's, that's something yeah. throughout this. I've, I've learned that we need to back the conversation up a little bit or a lot yeah. and yeah. look at where the, these things started. Right. Yeah. It, it's kind of the same idea as climate change. Yeah. Well, you know, we have to get rid of CO2 at all costs. And then we could talk, oh, well, how are we going to lower our carbon footprint? Well, I'm going to turn my computer off at night. I'm going to walk to work. I'm going to do this. But we need to back up that little step and say, why are we doing this? And is it necessary? Is it beneficial? Or is it actually detrimental? Yeah. Well, one of the things that people did bring up is asking about the appeal, which is basically like a plastic alternative that, you know, the wraps, perfect example, avocados that we were just talking about. And and makes them last Anything longer. From Bill Gates is great, and I endorse that product. So again, the the problem with that is it's plant based, and uh, so it, it would be different if it was a natural byproduct of uh, of a plant. You know, as it's going through, maybe the skin gets gets changed. 
But if it's actually grown and it does list off on the uh, on the website, you can just go to uh, uh, appeal.com, A-P-P-E-E-L.com, and look it up for yourself. And it lists off the uh, the ingredients and how it's actually made, et cetera, et cetera. And to me, it's just kind of like, so we're doing this and taking away good farmland uh, from actually growing proper proper food when, uh, like, uh, you know, we are obviously in Alberta, we're, uh, we're heavily uh, uh, hydrocarbon based and uh, and able to use plastic wrap and and get rid of it. And that was another conversation again that spun off of this was what do you do with all this garbage in the end? And uh, there is actually a company we I looked it up, and uh, of course it's in um, Quebec, and it's called Enerchem, uh, and they actually will take waste and convert it into sustainable fuel. Uh, sustainable I have a DeLorean fuel. that does that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I have a question for you, Carrie. Yes. Do you yes. believe in coincidence? Uh, I'm more of a fatalist, to be quite honest. I believe that there are there are no coincidences, and that uh, we're all fated to do certain things. That's that's okay. Well, then, you know what? That's a in yeah. in looking at this next comment through those goggles might be a yeah. little bit terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Is it a coincidence that the federal government is coming out with this crusade on plastics and food packaging yeah. at the same time as our wonderful medical and ethical savior, Bill Gates? is releasing a product called Appeal that replaces yeah. uh, packaging in the food industry. That's very How true. amazing yeah. of a coincidence. And now the government, our federal government, is actually trying to legislate, telling yeah. us that we have to use, well, I mean, they're saying we can't use what we have now, and this Appeal is a great option, uh, alternative. Mm -hmm. We have to use Mr. Gates' product and funnel more money into Mr. Gates, like the billions of dollars we funneled to him over the last three years, um, yeah. doing the things we've done. Isn't yeah. that a coincidence? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to throw up a couple of the comments and I know we did answer them during the, uh, during the webinar and we, Ottawa subsidizes everything else. Why not the development of new compostable plastics? Well, they, they do at a certain point, they do grants and they, they do that sort of stuff. But again, uh, I think the take home from uh, Dr. Charlebois was scalability. And no matter what they come up with, you have to imagine that they have to create millions and millions, billions and billions of, uh, of these packaging. Uh, and, and, and not only is it consumer packaging, you know, like uh, what you actually get uh, when you take it off the shelf, but there's also the distribution packaging, things in boxes and they're wrapped so that bananas will last for a year and a half or whatever it needs to be, right? So there's that stuff that we really didn't get into in terms of, uh, of what the distribution is. And that is something that Dr. Charlebois is, that's, that's his, his research is uh, how, to, how to make food last practically forever. Right. And uh, what is the best way to do that? Is it refrigeration? Is it proper temperature? Is it zero oxygen uh, encroaching on it? That stuff, you know, freeze dry, freeze dry, freeze dry everything. Like that song. You, you we, we should do that song at karaoke one of these days, you know, that freeze dry, freeze dry. <laughs> I don't think you know? that's the words, but it's, uh, yeah. I, think that's what it is. I have another theory as to why. Can you put that question up again? Uh, why don't we use or why isn't the government subsidizing compostable plastics yes, yes. first off yeah. i will say 
We do not want the government to subsidize anything. We want them to get out of our business, mm -hmm. get out of our lives, get out of our wallets, and allow us to create great products and inventions and bring them to market free of overregulation and let the market and the people decide. That's what we really want, not subsidizing. But specifically to answer the question, the reason we don't develop compostable plastics, we already have them. Many, actually most water bottle companies that I've seen have their water in compostable water bottles. Yeah. I mean, we saw we started seeing them in camps in the oil patch. This was like 10 years ago. So the technology exists. We use it all over the place. The reason it's not subsidized is because that requires using hydrocarbons. That requires an oil and gas industry. That's right. And the crusade for climate change and the environment and cleaning everything up has nothing, pardon me, has very little to do with the climate or the environment mm -hmm. and a lot to do with keeping our oil in the ground, reducing the prosperity of this province and keeping the people subservient to the, subservient to the government, asking them for subsidies. Mm -hmm. That's what this is about. It's not about... Uh, sustainable, uh, a sustainable economy and plan going forward, yeah. like the sustainable development development agenda, is not that at all. Yeah. It's literally about reducing human impact. Yeah. True. Um, or maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? I could have just had too much spaghetti. Did, oh, it was all you can eat spaghetti, something? <laughs> oh yeah, I had a lot of spaghetti. Mm -hmm. Um. A questions about uh, recycling is is there any real recycling of plastic or is it just a make work project is uh, uh, I have to wonder if they, re they actually recycle anything it just leads us to believe that the bin we put everything in is gets sorted and recycled again we, we well, briefly talked about that um, only a couple of questions about recycling batteries and that could oh. be a whole other topic altogether mm -hmm. but for this question of course we recycle the companies yeah. that actually recycle things and repurpose and turn stuff into other products, yeah. they do it because it's financially beneficial. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. sustainable. And in a capitalist world where, and I'm sorry if you're uh, um, uh, a liberal, but uh, uh, what was he, what did Gibbo say? I'm a liberal, but a raging a sociopath or yeah. raging <laughs> socialist or something. I can't remember. Socialist, I believe, not social. Yeah. <laughs> same, same. Um, yeah. So when, when it is efficient and it turns a profit and it's sustainable, yes, it's absolutely done. And there's tons of fantastic products out there that yeah. you can go and mortgage your home so that you can purchase, like Trek decking, for instance. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's yeah. like boards, but it's made out of recycled plastic and it will it will outlast your home. It'll outlast you. But you're also going to pay, like, I think it's like something like $20 a board foot. It's astronomically priced. Yeah. So from a financial point of view for the average person, you know, the, 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 uh, the return on investment, the ROI is like 25 years. It's a long time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But getting back to the, the food thing, I, it really is what Dr. Charlebo was saying was that he doesn't want to add extra stuff uh, to make things last longer that are not cheap. Right, like let's say bananas. I'm not even sure how much. How much are bananas now? Are they 88 cents? They're like 97 cents a pound. 97 cents. So let's just say they come up with something that uh, is a different alternative and uh, a different packaging and blah blah blah. And now it balloons to a dollar 80 for the same amount of bananas. 
All of a sudden, now we're only eating half the amount of bananas, or we decide to get rid of bananas in our diet. That is not the uh, the solution to that. The solution is to keep it pretty much the same cost that we can. But again, it comes up to scalability, and if we can't come up with a pl uh, with something that can scale properly into the millions of boxes that we need, it's not going to fly. You're right. Absolutely. And look at it, this from another perspective. Um, if our food from, you know, South America or Mexico or whatever is all of the sudden unaffordable because of the methods of production and transport and storage, we don't buy it anymore. Nobody yeah. can afford it except for the government whose meals we buy. So yeah. the goal of not eating any food that doesn't come from your area is accomplished and it's accomplished through policy that yeah. looks like it's supposed to be beneficial to us. But yeah. the reality is it's just one more, more layer of control uh, and, and impact on our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, you know, it would be a shame to get rid of avocados. It'd be a shame to get rid of coffee in our, in our, uh, our you know, in our staple. Yeah, that's, 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 that's really what we do. Right. Have you seen that movie, Carrie, where they talk about avocados and cocoa beans and coffee and uh, sugar cane? No, is it a documentary? Yeah, it was a documentary. It was talking about these foods that we eat commonly and the impacts they've had in the areas where they came from. Yeah. Um, avocados is on that list, and it's disgusting. What we what we allowed to happen and took part in because we needed to eat avocado toast every day and yeah. be so healthy and virtuous. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh, bad things that happen in other parts of the world. Yeah. And, and I find it interesting that a lot of the people who are really, really opposed to the things that we talk about most freedom and, and freedom and prosperity is at, at the core. You know, yeah. they'll say things like that and and scream at the top of their lungs at us with mouthfuls of avocado toast. You know, tell us we have to keep our oil in the ground and not have a we're contributing to climate change because we drive uh, cars or whatever while they eat avocados. Yeah. and enjoy an orange in the middle of winter and cucumbers and those types of things, right? It's the hypocrisy is just astounding. And yeah. it carries right on into the conversation we're having now about the federal government banning or, or proposing to ban the plastics we use to store food. Uh, yeah, same thing. They scream that they say we have to do that while they're jet jetting in yeah. private jets over to Switzerland to tell yeah. us or to talk about how they're going to save our lives or yeah. four times a year. Right. And that's definitely a, a, a federal issue. If we were to get oranges in from Florida, they have to come across the Canadian border. So that's how they decide what needs, you know, distribution. Yeah. How would things change if uh, Alberta was its own, uh, own country or able to make its own rules in terms of food that was coming in? And we should, we absolutely yeah. should. Yeah. You know, we could do another, we could do other things to, to accomplish the goals that they want to accomplish. We could innovate here. We yeah. could work on recyclable uh, plastics and, and materials while yeah. enhancing our oil and gas industry. We yeah. could uh, take advantage of the thousands of years of natural gas that we have beneath us in this province. And yeah. we could grow food 365 days a year in Alberta, right here. That's we wouldn't right. have to truck it from Mexico. We wouldn't have to fly it from Colombia or whatever. P.S. When you go buy your uh, your significant other flowers, yeah, those flowers traveled across the world, probably from Holland or Colombia to get here. Yeah, that's right. We could do that here, but we're not because it's not about making things better. It's about regulating the 
bejesus out of everybody yeah. so that we're subservient to the government. And would it be any cheaper, you know, you, you're saying flowers from, from Holland as an example. Would it be cheaper for us to actually use natural gas and create greenhouses and grow our own tulips and then distribute them from here? Or is it just yeah, cheaper it because, be. it's, you know what, it's it's just easy to... They're they're already growing over there. We could just ship them in. If you know, it's only on a it's only on a boat, a boat or an airplane. It's probably an airplane because the flowers don't last that long. That's right. But yeah, it would be. And yeah. and people say, oh, well, what do you mean? My gas bill is horrendous. Just heating my house. Imagine a greenhouse. You're looking at this all wrong. Yeah. That's our natural gas. It belongs to you and me and Carrie. Carrie yeah. has more natural gas than most people. But well, that's a different topic. Excuse me. Yes. Exactly. That gas belongs to us. And if we decide we want to have greenhouses and grow food 365 days of the year, be food secure in this province yeah. and share our food with uh, the rest of the country and, and other countries, we should be doing that. Yeah. And we shouldn't be, we wouldn't be paying uh, what we pay to heat our homes for the natural gas because there's so much of it. Yeah. It's priced artificially through um, uh, a, a regulated market by people who want to make a lot of money, plain and simple. Well, that's certainly been a, <coughs> a totally different topic than what we initially started with, but really it comes down to food, comes down to storage, distribution. So, you know, uh, I'm not sure how much longer you want to you wanna continue talking about this. I think I'm going to go eat some more spaghetti. What I did want to bring up, so again, thank you. I think we're just going to, I think everybody that's watching has, uh, you know, they, they love Alberta. They want to be able to see Alberta succeed. We want to be able to... Um, to look at recycling and different alternatives to packaging and distribution, blah, 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 blah. We will definitely be talking more about this topic definitely in the next few months. But one thing I did want to change gears on and, uh, and just kind of talk a little bit about, um, actually we'll get rid of that one. Um, talk about what's happening in the next couple of weekends with Alberta prosperity project. And we'll just put that back on here. What are you doing this weekend, Chris? I'm traveling somewhere. <laughs> That's why I said that. So if you go to the albertaprosperityproject.com and you look under the, uh, the events, we will see that we are actually doing an Alberta Prosperity Project with called the Ambassador Tour with uh, Corey Morgan, Christopher Scott, and Dr. That's Dennis Modry. That's you. And we're doing it in Calgary on this Friday, on the 10th. And uh, you can sign up for that. You can buy tickets. I believe all the tickets are $10 from here on in. Um, Calgary and then Redcliffe. There you go, Vicky says. So Marta Loop is on the 10th, and uh, Redcliffe is on the 12th, which is Medicine Hat. And then after that, uh, next weekend is in Red Deer on the Friday. Then we do uh, Bingley, which is Rocky Rocky Mountain House, and uh, and that's on the 18th. And then on the 19th, we're in Sherwood Park. So if you're near Edmonton, we hope that you can definitely make it out for that. Thank you, Michelle, for posting that. Yes, albertaprosperityproject.com uh, under events. There you go. Nationbuilder.com slash events. Um, and and what, do you, what are we speaking on there, Chris, with the Ambassador Project? Uh, so the ambassador tour is about helping people become 
effective ambassadors for Alberta independence or Alberta sovereignty. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. And um, as there's a there's a ticket price of ten dollars. I see. That's right. I will. I'll tell you, folks. I know ten dollars is a lot of money. I will give you a ten dollar performance. It'll be worth it. Are you singing? I could <laughs> sing. Yes. Yes. Ted, definitely a ten dollar performance. It, it's great having ten dollars for me to stop singing. It's definitely great having Corey Morgan, who is the uh, the author of the Sovereignists Handbook. Um, and and this is the tour is basically based on uh, chapter seven, which is how to be an ambassador for sovereignty and uh, great information that he talks about, uh, as well as uh, Dr. Dennis Modry comes out and talks uh, kind of what what we can do to be good ambassadors and and have talking points. There's I don't know how many talking points he has, like 25 different talking points, I think, in terms of. Uh, uh, if if you're confronted with somebody and you want to have a, an engaging conversation and talk about how Alberta can be better in a, in a uh, uh, within Canada as its own sovereign uh, either nation or or uh, within Canada, and and it's great just to hear his knowledge um, in in terms of, of of those speaking points. And then of course then you got Chris. Chris yeah. wraps it all up at the end. Yes, I'm the one that speaks and then makes everyone want to leave. <laughs> so if that doesn't make you want to go, I don't know what will. So there you go. Um, so would you like me yeah. to wrap this up so everyone wants to hang up on us? Yeah, I think that, uh, that would be great. Again, thank you so much. We, we do this every Wednesday. We do uh, live webinars mostly. Um, this is actually the first one. I think we've had the guests do it before. And, and again, it would have happened... If we, if we were somehow able to do, a, say, a Sunday night, we would have done a Sunday night and let people know. But this was in the middle of the day, and it just didn't work out. And we didn't even know how long he was going to be able to talk to us. So I'm really thankful that we at least had the little bit of time that uh, that we had uh, to, to talk with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. And, uh, but next week, I want to bring up that uh, next week we have... Randy Crossan, who is a rights and freedoms advocate and uh, the director at Samaritan's Purse, which is a Christian organization providing spiritual and physical aid to hurting people around the world. Samaritan's Purse has helped people struck with war, poverty, natural disasters, disease, and famine. And because of that, I think you'll definitely want to tune in for that discussion. And that is next Wednesday, the 15th. So with that, is that a good way to wrap up there, Chris? Well, I have a little bit more wrapping up to do. Is that all right? <laughs> Go ahead. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, as Carrie said, thank you folks for watching. I want to remind everybody that the purpose of these webinars isn't just so um, we can identify all these issues we have and and uh, the boondoggle that is our federal government. Um, I'm going to give you an example of a conversation I had today in my cafe uh, as to why we do these webinars. So uh, a, a guy came into my cafe or I cooked him breakfast. And he said, we got talking about politics and government a little bit. He says, you know, the government, you know, they're going to, why they got to touch the CPP? They should just leave it alone. I said, what do you mean they should leave it alone? And he said, well, I don't, I don't trust the government. I don't want them dealing with this. And I'm, I thought, okay, this is a great segue into a conversation about the Alberta uh, pension plan. I said, I don't trust the government either. Uh, I don't trust them at all. And yes, we will be talking about the Alberta pension plan. So. Knowing that I don't trust the government, why would I want a government 
that we have zero voice in uh, directing what they do, as opposed to a government where we can actually get things done within our province. I said, when it comes to Ottawa, all of these policies that they they put they push on the country, Alberta, British Columbia, and Saskatchewan together yeah. with a unified voice is not enough to stand up and stop it. We are along for the ride. No matter what the policy is, no matter how loud we scream about it, carbon tax, mismanage of a pension plan, uh, crappy employment insurance, um, uh, the, this food, the, the plastics issue, all of these things, we cannot stop it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't trust the government, why would you want to allow a government that we have no say in continue to mandate these things on us? Why would you be okay with being taxed without being represented? That's where we're at right now. And I say enough. Enough is enough. All of these issues can be dealt with in an independent Alberta, if enough people show up, that is, and hold our government to accountable. Could you imagine, Carrie, what Alberta would be like trading with the United States if we were independent, managing our own border, and we didn't have this ridiculous policy about food, uh, plastics in the food industry? Yeah, for sure. And it was 10 times easier to trade with Alberta than it would be for the rest of the country? Yeah. I mean, that would be fantastic. So these webinars aren't about uh, the problems so much as they are about the solution. And the solution is and always has been a Albert, an Alberta that is sovereign as in charting their own course, making mm -hmm. our own rules, doing things on our own, taking care of our own backyard yeah. and telling the federal government to pound sand. Yeah. I use the word sovereignty because it's sovereignty we're looking for. And I also use the word independence because I know very well that independence is likely the only tool we have to achieve the sovereignty we need to deal with these ridiculous problems that, that the country is facing. And as Dr. Charlebois said, Alberta needs to be loud. We need to be noisy about these Absolutely. things. We need to be stirring the pot and pushing back against the federal government because yeah. those other provinces depend on us to do that because they can't. That's what these webinars are all about. And, and right. that's why uh, we continue to do them. So thank you for uh, yeah. participating yeah. in that with us. And, and share, share, share. I know somebody asked right at the beginning, you know, I've got friends and I've got relatives that are not on Facebook. How do we share this? Well, we usually post the, this, this stuff live on Rumble, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, but we also post them after the fact. So we take this, we'll package it up and uh, we post it back on the Alberta Prosperity Project uh, in, in Facebook groups. And, uh, and likewise, if you're not on Facebook, go to, where is that? Oh, there we are. You can go there. You can go to the Chris hey. and Carrie Show. Yes. Go to the Chris and Carrie Show.com. Look under the episodes that are happening. And in this case, take a look. We can see Chris had a little bit of an update after the UCP AGM uh, summary there and a link to the, uh, the Rumble page that actually has the video on it. So there's tons of information uh, on that website. And uh, I'd advise you that... Uh, if you like what you see here and you can't find it under the Alberta Prosperity Project, go check out uh, thechriscarryshow.com. Well, I, I need to point out, Carrie, uh, yeah. to everyone watching out there, just yeah. so you all know, 
I have never lifted a finger to do anything on the Chris Carey website. It is all Carey. So that's what he does. He gets up and he gets in front of his computer in his bathrobe and he starts doing this work. That I, I don't wear a bathrobe. It, it takes, oh yeah, he probably doesn't. That's why the webcam's always up a little bit. Um, he does all this work. It takes him hours and hours and hours out of his life. And so I just want to say thank you, Carrie, for doing that. Well, you're quite welcome. I'm um, I'm more than happy to do it. This is, uh, this is, it's, it's ended up becoming a, uh, um, I'm not even sure, just a, a, a passion of mine that I just like to do and get, get things out there. And, uh, you know, we have episodes on the new, uh, new uh, well, new episodes here, Chris and, uh, uh, Marco uh, uh, Van Heukenboss did a, uh, a whole series of videos in getting candid with the candidates prior to the UCP AGM that was on there. Um, and uh, of course, you know, we, we were out there on the, the convoy. We keep those videos up there hours and hours and hours. And then where we're actually available on here, maybe things you've never heard of. Uh, we were even on iHeartRadio. And uh, so anyways, that's that's our little plug that's, I guess, in theory, how we get paid because we actually don't get paid. <laughs> we, we get paid? <laughs> you don't get paid at all. It's all volunteers, but I, 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 I love doing it. So thanks. Thanks for giving me a Speaking platform. Speaking of which. Yes. Good point. Yes. I'm going to put this call up right now. Going yes. forward, uh, Carrie, mostly, and I, a little bit, are going to work very hard and put some extra time into these webinars. Yes. Uh, we'll be putting out a call for sponsors. So if you or anybody you know is interested in helping offset the cost to these webinars yeah. and you want to uh, sponsor them, put your company brand or a shout out or whatever, uh, please get in touch with. I was, waiting for you. I was waiting for you to <laughs> offer up your email. Get in touch with either me or Carrie or. Uh, send an uh, send an email through the contact button on at the Alberta Prosperity Project, um, yeah. and we'll work on that because you yes, know what sure. it's yeah, yeah. that's my have to happen, so. that's my Alberta Prosperity actually that's not even correct that's uh, I'm going to just change that because that is actually not the correct email address I'm going to change that back so either one of those um, gets to me. Carry at whistlestoptruckstop.ca, or this is probably the better one, Lambert at albertaprosperity.com. That would definitely get a hold of me through the Alberta Prosperity, and then I know that that's exactly what it's about. So there yes. you go. Does that work for you? So as for the cost, if you reach out and express your interest, well, we can talk about that. It's not going to yeah. be a lot, but it won't be free. Yeah. Um, however, we'll try and give you some value for your dollars by uh, giving a shout out to your business and helping you with some advertising. And directing yeah. people your ways. So. Yeah, we do have. Uh, you know, people have asked us how how many people actually watch our videos, and and literally there are thousands. Uh, what dare I say, hundreds of thousands? It depends on the topic. Uh, Doctor Macus, who was on last week, yeah, a hundred thousand. Uh, if uh, if it's something else that uh, may not be as as interesting, maybe a little bit less. But it it just kind of shows that. People really are aware of the topics and they're engaging on what they are really interested in. Every topic that we've done, and uh, essentially, if, if you didn't know, a little FYI, this week is actually the one-year anniversary of our the Chris and Carrie show proper. 
proper. Really? Right? Yeah, it is. And uh, so we've had the website up for uh, a year. We've been doing shows obviously longer than a year, but they were officially posted on different platforms a year ago. So yeah, that was uh, done up, uh, well, essentially this year. And prior to that, even in terms of the, the webinars, uh, we're probably at about, I don't know, 15, 16 months in, I guess, is and what we've been doing with the webinars. And, uh, and, and even when we were at the UCP AGM this weekend, it's always humbling when people come up and say, uh, you know, we watch you every Wednesday. We, we look forward to the conversations with you guys and we look forward to the topics and things that I didn't even know about. And, and, uh, and I do have to say, uh, we, we, we do have a crew in the back, um, Michelle Bisson, who's, who's actively posting stuff on, on here. She, uh, looks after our, our Facebook and, um, and, and that sort of thing. We have Sean Allen who does, uh, social media. We have, uh, um, who else? Uh, we have Sean Hamilton who actually ends up booking most of the guests now going forward. So if there is something that you want to talk about, you can definitely send the mes message to me. I end up sending it off to Sean. We've got uh, many, many guests going out into January and beyond. And, uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It, it's great because then it kind of frees my time up to do other things. And, um, and, and, and Sean's been great being able to do that. So, and, and I'm, I'm probably leaving out many, many names because there's so many people on our operations team. So. Yes, that, that is true. It takes a lot of work, like a lot of work. Yeah. Excellent. So with that, I think uh, I think we'll wrap up. Does that work for you? Yes, please. Okay. Well, then let me. Uh, I gotta put these. Uh, put these. I gotta hide all this. I'm not even sure. I've got way too many things going on. What do you wish? <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, I was getting back. <laughs> So this is my book, Wish You Dead by Dan Anderson. Sorry. This is typically what our shows on the Chris and Carrie show are. We shouldn't have been spilling this over onto the uh, onto the Alberta Prosperity Project uh, webinars. But either way, it's all fun. So with that, I'm going to wish you guys good night, and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. Good night, everybody.